listening to Cinema Jaw, the greatest movies podcast ever, recorded on location at Cinema Jaw Studios in Chicago. My name is Matt Kay, and with me is... Rye the Movie Guy, and sitting alongside us is Phil Me and Phil. Hello, how are we all? This week on Cinema Jaw, Matt, we swim upstream as we cover our top five movies of the little guy fighting against the system. Ryan... Have you ever fought against the system? You strike me as oh. a with the grain. No. I mean, it depends, right? I mean, slowly. I, I like I your can. hat, by the way. Thank the you. Tiff hat. Yeah. Tiff. Yeah. I, was, I was just there. Um, yes, I, I do fight the system on certain things. Bullshit. I, no, I do. What? I'll, I'll, like you, your coffee isn't hot enough at Starbucks? No, I'll give you a great example. I can't stand these red light camera uh, <laughs> tickets, right? <laughs> Okay, yeah. I mean, nonstop. The nobody f- likes them. No, but- nobody likes them. But again, this is one of those where I, I, I literally wrote in, talked about, you know, uh, the interception you, who, that I was Who would you at. write to? Like your, your alder person? Or? No, I mean, you, you can write back because I had gotten a ticket, you know? And I went out and I photographed the whole entire uh, intersection and explained exactly what was happening, trying to, um, you know, get out of the ticket. Yeah, you Kramered it? In the meantime... They, they just didn't even listen to me at all. And because I was late in paying the ticket, they were going to double the ticket. And I was like, I'm just fighting the system. There's no way now I'm paying double for this ticket. It was up so to like how, 200 and some dollars. How long was the boot on your car? Um, well, let's just say they end up eventually do getting the money from your tax. Uh, if you get money back from your state income tax, they do no eventually way. take it out of it. But I fought it as long as I could. But eventually they get their money. I yeah. just want to point out that uh, Ryan gets here via rideshare and scooter all the time, which I think is starting to add up in a lot of ways. Yeah, the boot is still oh. on his car. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's just because I hate driving in the city, so I bike everywhere. Uh-huh, but... then how'd you get the ticket? <laughs> Long story. Well, we got a guest that's going to help us with this list, Matt. Yes, we do. Dan Stewart is joining us. He's a filmmaker. He's got a new movie coming out entitled Local Band, which I just watched, and I really enjoyed it, so I can't wait to talk to him all about that. Yes. Can't wait to talk to Dan. Plus, it is still Michelle Yeoh month, and we are reviewing a big movie called Dumb Money. Yeah. It's a good one. Hence the tie-in of fighting the system. Right. And and also Dan's movie as well is kind of fighting the system. Exactly. It's a a punk rock movie. There's some punk rock in it. Right. Fighting the system. So Dumb Money, in honor of Dumb Money, we are playing money movie trivia. Think of movies with money in the title, Yourself vs. Dan. How's that sound? Sounds good. Yeah? Yeah. There's not a lot of movies with money in the title. Oh, you'd be shocked. I wrote the questions. Okay. There's quite a bit. You're not counting like cents and like. No, no I no. feel like just the word money has a lot, Matt. It does. Well, I can think of several off the top right. of my head. Yeah. All right. That's a lot then. <laughs> Jawheads, you get thinking about movies with money in the title. It is still Michelle Yeoh month. Let's go rescue your silly raccoon. And that means we kick off this podcast with a Michelle Yeoh fact. Yes. Uh, so if it's one thing that we. I, I, I don't know if this is even like cool facts anymore. They are cool facts, but like I think the the thesis of every Michelle Yeoh fact we've had is that she's incredibly active and like incredibly good with moving her body, and we're keeping in line with that tradition. Uh, just like Greta Gerwig from July, uh, our person of the month that month, Michelle Yeoh is a formally trained ballerina. Uh, she started taking lessons when she was four and continued pursuing her dream after moving to London. She eventually enrolled herself in the prestigious Royal Academy of Dance. Uh, and, and you might be surprised to learn, Michelle Yeoh has never once had any martial arts training. Everything that she's learned to do and how she's used her body, she attributes 
to her natural aptitude, she learned from ballet and, and kind of picked up doing that at a young age. Kind of makes sense. There's like a dance or a flow to her movements in like a crouching tiger, hidden dragon. Or exactly. Something. Yeah. Like you need someone that can be well choreographed in a, in a fight scene. And so right. a ballerina, it makes complete sense. It does. Interesting. That is a good fact, Phil. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Well, we really, we should thank Michelle. Yes. Learning, learning a lot about Michelle this month. And we're about to learn a lot about our guest, Matt Kay. Yeah. As you mentioned, Dan Stewart has a new movie out called Local Band. It is a punk rock movie right up Matt Kay's alley. Dan Stewart, welcome to Cinema Jaw. Hey, thanks for having me. I have regret to inform you, I am not a trained ballet, ballet dancer. So. <laughs> it's not too late, Dan. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, what are you doing later? We, <laughs> yeah, I got all night, you know. Uh, sleep is the cousin of death. I could just stay up all night. So you walk in, and I want to uh, say for the jawheads, he's wearing a Slayer shirt. Yeah. He's on our team, man. Yeah. <laughs> Dave Lombardo's a- in the Misfits now, I'm just saying. I, I have a Misfits t-shirt that was, was a consideration for today's attire, too. I almost wore mine. That would have been awkward. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're, I, we're allowed. We're allowed to That's both true. like the Misfits. I yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I bring that up because how big of a, a fan of punk and like heavy metal are you? And that's what was the, you know, the start of the idea of doing local band. Um, I'm I'm a music fan of of all sorts. I mean, I probably drift back to punk music in general. Um, I play in a punk band uh, here in Chicago called Damager, um, but for the most part, I listen to everything. Um, I've gotten into you know extreme metal at times. Um, I'm a big fan of death and black metal bands as much as I like Waylon Jennings uh, or you know whatever, um, and. I think maybe the more esoteric um, performers and performances is kind of where it starts in the DIY scenes, particularly like the genesis of this of this film comes from when I was living in St. Louis, actually, Um, after my undergrad film school where I went to uh, University of Kansas, I moved back home to St. Louis where I grew up. And I started going to a lot of local punk shows um, with some friends. It's really great to hear that local punk shows is still a thing. Yeah, but for continue. sure. Yeah, no, the DIY scene and the like punk community is, is huge if you know That's where great. to look. Yeah, yeah you got to um, know where to look. Yeah. We'll talk about that later. Um, and so when I was in St. Louis, I was going to these shows. And, and it's funny in a place that's a smaller market like St. Louis uh, because the venues are so unique and so um you know there's the, the it's the circumstances that, that create them there's there's one called the sinkhole and it's in this like great name yeah um and it's in this like apocalyptic part of town um and it's just a room and there's like a small bar where they'll sell you like a beer uh you know bush lights or whatever right there's and, no selection no it's not it's, it's <laughs> here's like your beer yeah here's your beer um and we would see local bands and it became like this running gag and it's a gag that's reflected in the film too is like it's like we'd always be we come up with a, a weird phrase and be like, oh, yeah, that's, uh, you know, um, scuba cops. Yeah, they're actually playing at the sinkhole next weekend. That became like the running gag because it's like such a strange place. Um, and and there was another place called Foam, which was like a coffee place by day. And then by night, there's like no stage, but they had a PA. So that's enough, you know, to do shows. And, and we'd go see see these bands and um, it would be like there was there's one i'll like never forget which is a band that was touring from texas and it was like this one guy or maybe two guys they wheel out like a folding table and they start setting up all this like strange uh technology like vcrs and oscillators mm-hmm. and maybe there was something with keys on it and 
and it's just like this the set quote unquote started and it's just like this wall of noise just, just turning like, dials on distortion pedals yeah, yeah exactly and and the band was just called terminator 2 <laughs> and it's I like love it. that is a great name for a band and you see that and you're like that guy is not trying to make the top 40 you know that's not a person who's doing this for anything other than like they love to perform they love uh, you know, being an artist and, and just doing that and like living it. And I, I felt like that was like super admirable and something that I really related to as an artist being like, you know, making films and being a musician in my own ways. And so I was like, that's such a cool, funny story to tell and something I think that a lot of people would relate to. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of like the initial genesis of it, like the very, very core seed. I mean, so you got a, um, a feature length film out. Yeah. That's that's an accomplishment. Um, where is it going? Where has it been? Like, what's the process now that the the film's complete? So we shot it last July. So July of 2022. Um, Looks great, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Our cinematographer Jeffrey Gabriel Silva is like super talented guy. Like incredible. Uh, did an incredible job on this. And so now it is complete. And we did one screening, one hometown screening at beat kitchen um and that was um september 3rd it was crazy we did 180 tickets like uh just this really awesome thing where the community like really came together and all the people involved like got to show up and we had two some bands play and it was it was awesome um that was sort of like the ideal like i mean in a way it was like i can't ask for anything else it was like the you know the people who it was for were in the room got to see it and enjoyed it um but going forward it's like we are going to run the festival circuit um and in particular aiming at like festivals that cater to like truly independent diy projects um so like the dream one is slam dance and especially the first festival that we submitted to um and so yeah so that's that's where we're going so it'll probably take you know the next year to uh, to, to submit to stuff and run through the cycles and you know, I'm pretty certain that there will be a screening of some kind in Chicago in uh, 2024 for sure. Let us know because yeah. we'll 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 definitely spread the word. It, it occurs to me as we're talking about this, I don't think we've talked about the plot of the movie. Like, <laughs> what is the what's the 411 the the view from 10,000 feet? Yeah. Um, so the film follows a fictional band called Minor Illusion. And but by the way, hate to interrupt. I'm sorry yeah. to interrupt. Were they actually playing those songs? Yes. Okay. All the all the performances in the film are are real. So like, awesome. Yeah, that's impressive. Yeah, it's all live music. Like, and and I I wrote the original songs for the for the main band, and they the the all the actors are musicians for the most part. Almost everyone in the movie is a musician. Cool. Um, and so yeah, there's a fictional band called Minor Illusion. Our lead character, Lila Riley, is like a mid twenty something. She's working in the service industry, paying her rent check to check, uh, but also trying to pursue playing in this punk band um and the movie sort of follows her and her band's trials and tribulations kind of navigating the like surreal diy punk scene in chicago trying to get one good show and i noticed that you used a lot of the venues in the city one mm -hmm. of them being the hideout yeah um were these connections that you already had how open are these places to filming at, at their locations it's really it that was one of the biggest obstacles um in production it was and and i kind of appreciate in a way kind of the the gamble of diy filmmaking in the sense that it's like 
you know, the first draft that I wrote, the film ended at the empty bottle, you know, but and, oh, you know, okay. for, for, for like what we tried to do and what we, you know, got in contact with them, it was like, oh, you'd probably have to rent out the space and that's, I won't say how much money they quoted us, but you know, it's like you an know, exorbitant amount. Yeah, yes. not, not money that we had. So, um, there's that. And then, you know, some venues it's like, it was meant to be one thing as long as it was a dive bar. And then we kind of you know, um, Phyllis's musical in, in Wicker Park is, is a place that we shot at. Um, I love it. Yeah. It was meant to be the double door, which is obviously no longer. Well, th- well the double door, um, Oh, that's the first show that, that, yeah, okay. the first I'm show not trying to give anything away. Sorry. Yeah. So the, the, in the first, um, in the very first scene, they play at Phys- Phyllis's musical in, in Wicker. And that was kind of just the product of like, we knew that it was a small divey place with a sort of pseudo stage. And we pretty much just walked in there one day and asked, uh, to see the owner and he was about it and he's like as long as you know that's a place that opens at 3 p.m and stays open till five or whatever so mm-hmm. we're like we can get in there and do it all in the morning um and then the hideout in the film that was actually a crazy coincidence because my producer jay came in he's he has lived many places over the past year but he came in and was living in chicago for that for the month of production and I don't know how it came together, but it just so happened that the person that he was staying with in Chicago was um, Michael from the Hideout, who's their program director. And we were just like, "Nice, hey, totally kismet, crazy thing. We're shooting a movie about local music. Can we use the Hideout?" And and they were very accommodating, and so we got in there and shot those scenes. Um, and then yeah, everything just kind of comes together, just like based on what we can do. There are definitely places that we tried to get into that they either wanted a lot of money or it just kind of wasn't going to work because you know they're functioning businesses and they got to do what they do. But um, yeah, but everything kind of is what it is because it was available or was was convenient, and I kind of like love that because it's kind of authentic to the story. It's like you know what can you do with what you have. Another theme of the the, the movie. Well, I don't know if this is a theme. Um, a reoccurring thing. Something I didn't have to think about back in my band days is social media, yeah. right? Like bands have to sort of contest with this this new, I, I guess it's not new anymore, the, the modern era. Yeah. It's a totally different challenge than it would have been for, you know, the Beatles, of, like, right. <laughs> obviously. Um, or DIY kids in the 90s. Sure, yeah. I mean, that's like for them... And then uh, DIY bands from the 80s and 90s, like Black Flag is, you know, self-distributing their, their tapes and, and booking their own tours just through calling around. Word of mouth, yeah. yeah. Like, that's probably their biggest, you know, challenges. Zines and stuff. Yeah, but, like, they're, I think in the current age, the thing is that you have to kind of exist via the internet. It's it, There are so many bands and so many people are so connected that to put yourself out there and try to make an impact and like kind of become visible amongst a lot of bands that you have to kind of do it online. It's uh, so weird. I'm glad I didn't have to swim in those waters, man. Yeah. And TikTok in, in particular is like something that is name dropped in the movie is like one of those avenues. And that TikTok is so strange because it's kind of the only still weirdly, uh, democratized, um, uh, social media, what, platform. social media. Yeah. A platform because it, the algorithm will actually show you to people who are not actively looking for you versus like YouTube in the beginning days of YouTube, it was like, you know, anyone can be discovered, yeah. you know, and there's uh, evolution of dance guy, you know, whatever. Charlie bit my finger. Yeah. yeah. And now it's like TikTok's the only place that ha- that, that happens. They'll, they'll, they'll take it away soon. Don't yeah, worry. Eventually. Yeah. yeah. It'll be filtered out eventually for whatever makes the most money. But, 
Um, but like, you know, bands like Beach Bunny or, you know, whoever have found their success stories because their songs happen to kind of catch on through, uh, through TikTok. Mm-hmm. And that for me as a musician, I like hate it. Cause I was like, <laughs> A, I just don't, I don't have like the, I just, I'm a little bit older than the TikTok generation and I, and I just like don't understand. <laughs> so I'm like frustrated. I'm like, all I can do is post an Instagram thing or like, here's the show. I don't know. Was there any discussion that if the movie takes off and the public wants to see Minor Illusion um, yeah. actually in concert, would the cast get together as the band Minor Illusion and play <laughs> shows around the city? Um, I <laughs> I would probably encourage those people to see the bands that the actors are in, uh, the good ones. Um, uh, so our, our lead actress, uh, Issa Martinez, is in a band called Cut Your Losses, a Chicago pop punk band that are really amazing like incredibly talented musicians and then um uh, super kick are are in the film they're a three-piece indie rock power pop they're almost like the secondary main characters yeah yeah um the there's sort of a split narrative in the film and they are sort of the the b the, plot the b story yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. um and they're they play themselves and they do a damn good job um, I, I wouldn't have known that they weren't like actors because there is a scene where like some other band scene people come in yeah and you know it's like the ramones in rock and roll high school you, you can tell when somebody is a musician and when yeah. somebody's an actor and it's totally forgivable don't don't yeah. get me wrong oh no for sure yeah yeah no i mean I, and i i wanted to and i think i enjoy the diy spirit of casting on actors and also like i got into filmmaking and i and i i make films because it's a lot of fun yeah and it's the most fun when i'm with my friends and so this movie was like the biggest possible scale of like, let's get my friends together. Let's try to make each other laugh and have a good time. And also, you know, tell the story of the movie. But but like for the most part, it's like I wanted I like Superkick. Those guys are fun to hang out with. And and they I think they would be good in this role. And so, they were. And so, yeah. So sometimes people are, you know, musicians who are not actors or have no training or no experience and they're kind of dipping their feet. Um, and that's what it is. But over the, like for the most part, I think that it just, it was just a really authentic, cool thing to have musicians playing musicians and, and be a part of a, a real world that they're, in, you know, that they're a part of. Yeah. Well, you were talking about having fun and this question that I asked uh, Jennifer Reeder a couple of weeks ago, I want to ask you being a writer director and from the start of pre-production production, the rollout of the film all mm-hmm. the way through. What's your favorite part of the process and what's your least favorite part of the process? Oh man, I think, I guess post-production and editing, because I also edited the film. And That's be- your favorite? It's my favorite and my least favorite. Oh wow, I, yeah. all in one. <laughs> I, I love doing it because it's so satisfying, especially at the very beginning when things start cutting together for the first time. It's like, I cannot believe that we did this. Yeah. And and it's it's, like exhilarating and then you get halfway into the process where things are like just not quite working yet and you're like why did we do this i <laughs> this is the worst thing ever um and then at the end it's like i i seriously like editing this movie at towards the end like really putting the finishing touches on it it would be week by week i'd be like oh this is terrible and the next week I'd be like oh i like it and then the next week i'd be like oh it's bad um so yeah it's like it's such a weird like experience and i think for all of my projects it's like you know you finish them and i'm like ah oh, man I've, I've learned so much since we shot this and then like over time i kind of grow and i'm like okay it all makes sense now uh 
speaking of all your projects, I know local band is still early in its its life and it's yeah. going to be doing festivals and stuff like that. Hopefully we're talking about a Chicago festival. Um, but what's next? What else are you working on? I have, I have some scripts, um, some more feature scripts of a greater scale, probably. Um, what they taught us in film school was that once you start screening, that people, you start to have the opportunities to like you know pursue bigger projects but otherwise um and i have like no idea i just have no idea what happens now <laughs> like if we, if we screen or whatever but but otherwise it's like i've been making a lot of um music videos um kind of again still working in the chicago diy punk scene like i've been shooting a lot of live shows um so like i've been around enough to kind of know acts that i know are really good live and love seeing and and I just want to kind of document it. And so I've been doing that and, and, and yeah, uh, just smaller projects. And I'd love to kind of go back to even scaling it back a little bit more and shooting some, some DIY shorts and stuff with, again, with just friends and non-actors and stuff. We'll keep awesome. it going, man. Yeah. 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 For the Jawheads listening to this that want to eventually see local band or find out more, keep track of it, where should we send them online to uh, get updates? Um, the local band the movie instagram account is probably the the one that i'm best at keeping fresh and updated and everything so that's just it's local band the movie on instagram cool we'll yeah. put it we'll put a link in the show notes for everybody too cool sounds good dan is sitting in on this entire jaw he is actually the first guest in studio in our new cinema jaw studios yeah welcome man yeah this is nice. awesome momentous i know yeah. breaking us in yeah dan has his top five favorite man against the system movies picked out before we get there though matt dumb money yeah right mm -hmm. we are covering movies that depict people fighting back against the system today there is no bigger system than the stock market here in the united states investing in the market was a way for the common man to make some money to start a savings maybe even strike it rich but lately, the system feels rigged, with the only players able to actually win being the large hedge funds with their deep pockets and in insider information. Heck, dumb money is a term that refers to the collective investments of retail investors, the little guy. It plays on the idea that retail investors are not, are not smart enough to understand the stock market and the perception that they will always lose. But this was not the case back in 2021 when one man saw GameStop as an undervalued stock, bought big into it, and convinced thousands of others to do the same. Is dumb money able to entertain while explaining the big picture? Matt and I made an investment in the film to find out. Yo, what up, everybody? Roaring Kitty here. I'm going to pick a stock and talk about why I think it's interesting, and that stock is GameStop. I love this guy. Retail traders have hooked into GameStop. I think they think it's a good investment. It looks like there's one guy driving all the buying. Who is this schmuck? Dumb money, man. Happy to take it. Dumb money is the ultimate David vs. Goliath story. It gives us a comprehensive look at the GameStop stock story that captivated the country back in 2021. Small-time investors led by Keith Gill came together in the sub-Reddit page called Wall Street Bets and began buying stock in the video game store GameStop, a stock Gill said was undervalued. Dumb money works so well for a couple of reasons. For starters, it's downright hilarious. It also sports an amazing cast led by Paul Dano, 
Pete Davidson, America Ferreira, Seth Rogen, and Sebastian Stan. Whoever casted it should get a gold star, as they did a perfect job here. It's directed by Craig Gillespie, who also did I, Tanya, another true story told through humor with a talented cast. I found it explained enough of the stock trading inner workings while not boring us. It also manages, it manages to show the scope of the story. Yes, the focus is on Gil, but it also shows us how buying the stock affected people in the working class, college students, and even the hedge funds that were betting against the retailer. By doing so, the audience gets taken for a ride to see if the people can finally beat the system. I liken this to The Big Short, which did the same with the housing market collapse. Matt, I start off by asking you your initial take on dumb money. I was very high on it. You were very high on it. I'm not very high on it. I liked it. Uh, I liked the, the, the story. Obviously, I'm a fan of, of what everybody did against the hedge funds with, with the GameStop stock. That was hilarious. Um, and I liked the, the story is good, the cast is good, but the editing is atrocious in this movie. Really? I wish it was the big short because that was clever editing and really good. Like, let's, you know, to, to explain this, we're going to show Margot Robbie in a bathtub. And I'm not, I'm not saying that because I like Margot Robbie in a bathtub. I'm but saying you that. Are. No, it was clever. <laughs> it, was, it was a way to explain a difficult thing to get your mind around in an entertaining way. This movie doesn't do that. They, they lean on the memes of YouTube to their detriment. Like how many times are we going to see the, the white cat bobbing his head and like they just go to the same meme over and over and over again and it's cut like a YouTube video. It's, it's incredibly annoying. I, I get what they were going for because uh, the main character, Gil, is a YouTuber, but I don't think it worked. I didn't have an issue with that at all. I thought that brought uh, some energy to it. I mean, you don't it watch was like a fast-paced, a fast-paced edit, which I enjoyed. But I think the highlight here being the, the talented cast, mainly say like a Pete Davidson. Okay, no, that's okay. not where I would start. Yeah, casting him as like the the goofball brother is is part of like what you're saying is is you got to make this movie entertaining while explaining the inner workings of the stock market and why. Yeah, I, know. I guess I liked Pete Davidson. I, a little, but like Paul Dano was really the the one to watch in this. Oh yeah, he was great, and we'll get to that. But I I think like Pete Davidson was hilarious. I think everybody was so well cast. Is what I'm saying is that uh, the editing didn't really matter. It didn't bother me in one bit at all because the talented cast. I thought like everybody fit the 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 role perfectly. Even all right, Shailene I, Woodley, who who's Shailene uh, Woodley a, a was great. Minor role as the wife, but she was still great in there as well. Like she sticks with Gil. I don't like the casting of Seth Rogen in this role oh, at all. Oh, I loved it. No, I, I want to. I want to like Seth Rogen. He's too likable to be this douchebag. I didn't like his casting at all. It didn't. It didn't put his talent on display. He didn't have a big acting moment like he did in um, what was Spielberg's movie, The, the Fablemans. F- the Fablemans. Nor did he have anything like funny where he had to use his famous laugh. Do we still have that on the soundboard? Of course we do. Listen to that. See, now that's a good soundbite. Yeah. Okay. So-, so, so that's the Seth Rogen that I love, and he is not in this movie at all, at all. Uh, but I actually thought coming out of it, like, wow. There's actually a different role for Seth Rogen out there because I never saw him in this sort of like serious quote unquote prick role where you just are like he's a smug idiot you know you hate the guy and there's there's nothing better that comes through in that uh, uh, deposition that he has to do 
Um, yeah. This was during COVID, so everybody had to like get in front of their computer and do this congressional uh, deposition. Yeah. Um, and when he's sitting there and in front of his camera, you just sort of hate the guy. I know. I don't hate Seth Rogen's. It just it didn't work for me. I don't think that was good casting at all. Oh, I, I liked it also. Now, I came out of it, I saw this at Toronto, and I was talking to someone that was very familiar with the story. Her brother or somebody had actually bought some of the GameStop and made some decent money on the investment and such. And so she knew way more of the story than I did. Now, I, I knew the story. I followed along. It was a big-ass story. But I never took the deep dive down the rabbit hole and watched any documentary or knew the guy's name. I just knew what was going on, more or less. Mm-hmm. What what was your take going into this movie? I'm like everybody else, like a uh, a Bitcoin survivor, and, and I was hot on all that stuff. Still am a little bit to some extent. So I got the Robinhood app and I bought in. On, oh, you did? I did. So you actually bought GameStop stock? Yeah, I, I missed the train by a mile. <laughs> I didn't, I of didn't, course you did. No, it's okay. I didn't like put my life savings Tell in Tell me anything. more though. Did you lose money? I didn't know this. Yeah, no, I lost, but it's, we're talking like 50 bucks. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. So, so basically your yeah. entire savings. Yeah, right. I was like, I'm going to put in 50 bucks and tomorrow it's going to be 500. Like, just you wait. And no, I had missed the boat, but it was fun nonetheless. Um, but did you, as far as the story goes, even though I didn't know that you you invested in, but did you then, so you knew all the key players and such? Dude, it was a huge story. Like they yeah. show in the movie, this went all the way to the White House uh, and in the, the, the press room, they, they were doing a press conference about it because of the, the shenanigans that the, the hedge fund and Robin Hood got up to were downright evil. Right. Well, that brings me to my next point. So I mentioned Seth Rogen being sort of a prick in the movie, but the other villain here is the creator of Robin Hood, who could have been the hero, and he's played by Sebastian Stan here. How, yeah, he could have been the hero. You're right. A hero in the sense that it's what made everybody be able to buy the stock. Right, and it's so called easily, Robin Hood. So, right. Yeah. So it was like you want to like them too. Like when when we first uh, are introduced to him, I mean, it's kind of played for like laughs. We're supposed to like laugh at how silly they are when they get in their cars and they drive away. However, I was like, yeah, these are the guys that made it possible for everybody to buy the stock and actually fight the system. So in a way, these guys could have been the heroes. I didn't know that there was at one point a time where where Robin Hood actually turned off the buy-in feature of GameStop. See, I didn't know this. How do you not know that? You you, you heard about that, right? I remember this happening but i i don't know all the details me neither i'm, yeah. I'm right with her like i, I know i do remember thank you it but was you, a it was a huge story I, I do too but like did you know that detail that that robin hood turned off the buying feature like i didn't know this this was like close enough to the time that i was doing i got commissioned for an nft and right i'm you not were, a crypto person in. i'm not a crypto person but enough people in my circle were so mm. i i was so that is like I think the biggest villain in this movie. Oh, criminal! Oh yeah. my God! I mean, when I was so for me, I think why I enjoyed this was I was learning a lot of the the finer details that I didn't know. You know, I was and that's cool. So angry at that point. I mean, this was their moment, and they're just going to turn off the buying feature because right. they couldn't control it anymore. That's not bullshit. Why. That's that's not why. I'm still angry, but why? What, so, what exactly? So the hedge fund. Not to get into the weeds on this, but the hedge fund. So. Uh, Seth Rogen's hedge fund, I think, what was it called like Melvin Capital or something, um, was the one that had the initial huge short position on the GameStop stock. Right. Which and you can lose money to infinity, which they explain in the movie when you take a short position. Right. There's no there's no limit to how much you could lose. So he's drained 
his entire hedge fund. He has to get two outside investors, and one of them is a principal angel investor in Robinhood. Robinhood. So, so they influenced Robinhood and said, turn off buying on this stock. And it came out like they, I guess we're not spoiling anything. This is a true story. And they go over this as much in the credits. Um, it came out that they had conversations the night before the, the, the stock buying was turned off. Right. It was only off for like 24 hours or something like that. But that was enough to cause absolute panic, panic. for everybody that was holding the line as they show, if all of a sudden it's off for 24 hours and you don't know what to do, that's that's everything in the game. All of a sudden, everybody's like, well, I better sell. You can only sell. Right. right. And everybody is like, well, I, we're already at this level. I might as well sell. And I'm pissed about that. And no one went to jail yeah. over this. No shit. For Christ's sake. I know. It's terrible. It, it was absolutely awful. So that Robin Hood guy, forget that guy. Yeah. He's more like the sheriff of Nottingham. Yeah. So, <laughs> good point. The the um, cast I mentioned that yeah. I, I really liked Pete Davidson. Who'd you like? I can't believe here? you like you're picking Pete Davidson. But uh, you got to go Clancy Brown, man. Anytime he pops up, you got to say, "There's Clancy Brown." He's only got one scene or two, right? And mm-hmm. I don't care. Those are the best scenes in the movie. And also America Fiera, who she's great. She's great in Barbie, and then she was great in this. I mean, what a hell of a year for her. For sure. Um, so I, I really like the cast here. Uh, lastly, how satisfied did you feel coming out of the movie uh, with the conclusion of the film? Did you feel that they, they did the story justice? Yeah. And and were you angry by the story? I yes. Guess? Yes. So in that sense, it, it, it is a success. I'm not as high up on it as you. I was angry. I thought that they, they there were a few chuckles. I'm not as big of a Pete Davidson fan as we're finding out you are. I'm usually not. That's why I'm sh- I'm shocked. I don't think he did up. anything amazing here. Oh, he just he, was Pete Davidson. He's delivering, uh, you know, food for a living, um, and and he's borrowing his his. So he's playing an car. asshole, I mean, schmuck it's loser. Just funny yeah, that's goofiness. it's a real stretch for this guy. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It was just okay, but it, the movie was. It did make me angry, and it did make me remember those times. Which goddamn wasn't that long ago. No. It was weird seeing people in the masks and having the, um, the 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 plates in front of like the the cash registers and stuff. Um, also, didn't really necessarily like that they went and showed a, a bad GameStop where a guy, a worker, was being kind of um, harassed by his manager and stuff like that. Like GameStop was kind of the hero in this story, like an undervalued company that was like beloved by the gamers and the internet culture. So to 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 show them as like having a, a shitty manager and keeping their their employees downtrodden is kind of tone deaf. Even if that's true, it was tone deaf in this story, and I didn't like that. So another complaint. Mm. All right. How about a jaw-dropping moment or uh, facet of the film we have not discussed? We get to see Pete Davidson and Paul Dano's ass. So (laughs) there you go. That's my jaw-dropping moment. That was nice. Wow. All right. Uh, I went with, uh, I got two listed here. But one we haven't mentioned I thought was a really nice touch is every time a new character is introduced in the film, we see what their net worth is on screen. Yeah. And so this starts with the hedge fund guys. It opens up with this, you know, rich houses, and, and it's like net worth 600 million, net worth 1.2 billion. We get to Paul Dano, and it's like net worth, I forget what he's at. He's like, like 197,000. Yeah, you know. He's not broke, but right, he's not rich, right? Right. But then when, when it really goes, the whole scope, and the people who are buying into the GameStop uh, You get stock, to see that go up. We get to see... 
uh, like America Fiera, uh, you know, net worth like nine dollars and eighty some cents. And then we get to the college students, and they're like minus one hundred eighty thousand dollars. And to see how everybody's net worth ended at the end of the film was—I thought that was a great touch. A lot of people made a lot of money and lost a lot of money. Movie poster quote. I'm going with dumb money is a boring telling of a fascinating story. Maybe I'm being a little harsh on that. Very harsh. Jeez. Scratch that from the record. All right. What do you got? (laughs) I went with a very funny film that's worth your investment. Is it very funny? Oh, I laughed constantly. I don't know. There's no Margot Robbie in a bathtub, Ryan. Well, <laughs> How many jaws are you giving this thing? I'm going to shock you here. Three and a half jaws for that dumb money. Damn Three sh- and a half jaws. You're way too generous on this one. I'm going two jaws. It's it's definitely worth watching, but just kind of middle of the road. Oh, you're selling it short There's here nothing the else heads. out this weekend. I mean, go ahead and go see it. But For sure go see it. I'm saying for sure go see it. I think it's, it's, it's great. Yeah. Meh. Almost a four-jaw movie for me. I don't think we saw the same movie, dude. Well, it was just okay. Three and a half jaws for Ride the Movie Guy. I really, I, I really wish Dan had seen it so you could break the tie here. Well, I had downloaded Robin Hood and my free stock was Ford. And then over a year, it went up one dollar. Oh, and nice. then I sold it and I made a dollar on the <laughs> stock market. So I think I might relate to this movie a lot. What'd you buy with that? A White Castle? Um, I mean, the burger. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah not, a, not a franchise. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or an actual castle. Uh, well, White Castle, the, the food, was banned in my household as <gasps> growing up because my parents dislike onions, of all, onions in all contexts. No wonder you got into punk rock. Yeah, huh? to rebel <laughs> against the White Castle suppression. <laughs> That's exactly why I got into yeah. punk rock. Same here. Yeah. Check out White Castle suppression. They're playing at the sinkhole next week. There you go. <laughs> Something we've stuff. never said on the air is that Cinema Jazz also a very pro White Castle <laughs> podcast. Yeah, we somehow do. that's true. I don't know why. We do a lot of White Castle. Castle. Hey, here's a little inside baseball for for people who really listen to the show. The the White Castle box that flew off the roof of my house after the Fan Expo is still in my backyard. Mm. It's just there. <laughs> <laughs> Every day I walk by it. We had a little party up on our rooftop. Every day I walk by it, I'm like, ah, that was a good night. That was fun. All right. Three and a half jaws for Ride the Movie Guy. Two jaws for Matt K for Dumb Money. If you get out there and see this one or already have seen it, Jawheads, shoot us a tweet or an email, feedback at cinemajaw.com. Because Paul Dano and gang fought against the system and more or less won on this one. Uh, At least put up a damn good fight. They made a good point. Yeah. We are doing our... Against the the system movies, the little man versus the big guy here. Um, was this a tough list for you to come up with, or, or actually difficult to narrow down there, Dan? It kind of threw me for a loop because I was trying to consider what it meant, really. Sure. Like if if you meant so literally, like uh, films that involve like actual, you know, people rising up and, and disrupting something, or if it was like also including um, outsiders who are challenging a status quo of some kind you know i think it could be interpreted in different ways yeah okay cool so i minor because i I was kind of stumped on trying to find literal ones so i was um so i'm i'm a little bit more um emotionally fighting the system if you will so all right let's kick it off with your number five um so my number five is oceans 11 which is another money movie. Yeah. yeah. Definitely fighting the system. Yeah. They're fighting the casinos. Yeah. They are still like literal criminals, but they, they're fighting against a bad man. 
so it's like um you know it's a uh, a moral uh, system almost um but yeah i just watched oceans 11 again uh like two three weeks ago so it was really fresh in my mind and it was like that's a perfect one that movie is so well directed it's crazy like the editing's so cool the 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 performances are all really super nuanced like really funny but also like really nuanced and just the way that scenes are are put together is like really impressive who, i think who directed that do you remember steven soderbergh oh, soderberg. Soderberg. yeah yep. yeah he did all the ocean movies sell me on the other ones i've only seen oceans 11 i've never bothered to see 12, 12 and 13. 13 you know Should what's I? really good is oceans the one that that no, um uh, not oceans oceans eight. eight yeah oceans eight that's not good no it's not oh, okay you're making a joke i was yeah <laughs> uh the sequels are good too they um they kind of work off the same you know toolbox but formula yeah they uh the 13 oceans 13 i actually think is really really solid for for being a third piece and it is surprisingly like different for a a trilogy conclusion i think they do a lot of different stuff for um for what that formula is and there's a lot of fun cameos and it, it kind of has the same story and narrative almost as the first movie but just in a different sort of context i want to go back and watch the frank sinatra one which is i i've mm-hmm. never done nor have i it's got to be playing on tbs one day all right uh my number five speaking of robin hood i'm 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 doing this i don't think i've ever mentioned this movie before but if we're being honest i think we were all fans of this movie at some point Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. I Were said we it. all fans? I think so. Here's why. Alan Rickman as the Sheriff of Nottingham. Mm. This was where he said, I'm going to cut your heart out with a spoon. Remember that? Yeah. This yeah. Was, he was hot off his, his Hans Gruber diehard thing. And we were like, holy shit, that was awesome. Give me more of that, please. And before his Severus Snape, and we were all like, okay, we're, we're good now. So this was right in Alan Rickman's hotspot, and I'm not casting shade on Severus Snape. I love Snape. But we loved him, and and also this was before Waterworld. So what's his name? Kevin Costner. Thank you. This was in Costner's hot streak. Costner's hot streak. And uh, I think this really elevated Morgan Freeman's career. Um, We we hadn't seen a whole lot from him in mainstream. This was before Shawshank. Right. Right. So this, this was a big break for Morgan Freeman. This was a good movie. And it had that song in there. What was the... No, uh, we're not talking about Brian Adams. Brian Adams song? <laughs> no. I thought that's why you liked it so much, Matt. No, that's why everybody doesn't remember the movie fondly. But if you can look past that, <laughs> it's actually a really good movie. I haven't seen it in the longest time. I mean, And it spawned the parody Men in Tights, which right. is also really good. I thought that's what you were going to say when you brought up Robin Hood. <laughs> Robin Hood, Men in Tights. It's also really good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. My number five pick and, and i actually wrote down the uh system they're fighting against i i went with uh 2007 into the wild directed by sean penn and i went with man versus society i don't know if i've seen into the wild so you have to um but this stars uh emil hirsch and uh it, it's really about this this young guy who comes out of college Oh, is and, this the guy, he, he goes camping and he eats the plant? Yes, I have seen this. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I mean, well, he doesn't just go camping. He wants to just get off the grid. He's done with basically society. That's why I say man versus society. And I think why this one resonated so much, I we may have all gone through this moment. Um, I know I did for sure. I went to college. I came out with debt. I bought a car. I started a nine to five job. And it was like, this is the rest of my life. Right. And sometimes that doesn't hit a lot of people until you're actually in it. That's how it happened to me. I was like, wait a minute. 
did I really sign up for this? This is what it's all about? Hold on. Where's my freedom? Did you go to college for what you're doing? What, podcasting? No, no. no well, you're nine to five? No, yeah, I, right. no, not at all. Yeah, I was a lost kid. Like, I really just went to college because my parents told me to go to college, you know? Right, right. Um, but then all of a sudden you're, you're, you're in debt and you got to work and you got to, you know, it's like, wait a minute. And I, I think a lot of people go through that. And in this movie, um, you know, this character that Emile Hirsch plays actually just says, F you to society. And he's just like, I'm done with all this. He gets rid of all, all his uh, money, anything that he has. And his idea is that he's going to go up to Alaska and live off the land. Of course, yeah. it doesn't quite work out for him. But the, the spirit is there that for some reason we've all bought into we got to do that. This is exactly how we have to live is through the society laws that we have out there nowadays. But the truth of the matter is, I mean, you don't necessarily have to do that. Um, it's challenging. It's challenging if sure. you don't want to. But I, I enjoyed this one. Have you seen it, Dan? I have seen that. I it was a, it must be a long time ago though. I I feel like I remember him. He comes. He just comes back eventually, right? Uh, no, he doesn't. I oh. mean, he he, uh, he ends up. Uh, Meeting his demise up in Alaska. Right. He right. he ingests a plant that's poisonous and he doesn't survive. Oh no! It's a true story too. It is. Yeah. yeah. I think there's also like some uh, mental health and introversion and some other themes going on. But, but he, he meets a lot of interesting people on his journey. Um, Vince Vaughn's one of them. Uh, Kristen Stewart or Kristen Stewart is in the movie. Uh, there's various actors and actresses that um, that he meets along the way. Um, but yeah, it doesn't necessarily work out for him. But it's the spirit that it's a it's a bit of a tearjerker. Mm. Is it worth a rewatch? It is worth a rewatch, and it has a great soundtrack, all done by Eddie Vedder. Oh, I was gonna say Brian Adams. No, <laughs> we wouldn't be talking about it then, man. Yeah, I think he's playing at the sinkhole. Yeah, <laughs> he's just summer of '69, just yeah. over and over. Yeah. That was my number five, Into the Wild, Into Our Four as we go. Uh, I have kind of a deep cut, um, so. If you, if you don't know it, I can, I'm glad to introduce you to you. So this is a documentary called The King of Kong. Oh, dude. Yeah. Uh, you know no, we know. Okay. Yes. yes. Okay. This Sick. is up our alley. Sure. Sick. Okay. Yeah. I love this movie. Hell yeah. Um, it's, if the listeners are not familiar, it's uh, a documentary about a man who beats the world record for Donkey Kong on his own in his garage and then brings it to the... The, the global like video game records uh, association I think they're called like twin galaxies mm -hmm. or something and uh, he's constantly rebuffed by all of these established um, old school arcade gamers until he can like prove it in front of them and there's a character this this man Billy Mitchell who's like this insane like he's a very proto donald trump character he's in got, a way he's yeah. got this big ego and he's like does everything to like cheat and lie and into like and manipulating people and it's it's crazy and it's a really um it's an underdog story and it's also just a really funny uncomfortable film and I, I i love uncomfortable stuff and this is like that and and it's really cool because it's like he stands up for for his validity and in, in this thing that he loves and did so and it's wild steve weeby is the guy's name yeah which is just great in and of itself <laughs> yeah the the movie is fantastic it's actually probably my second favorite documentary after exit through the gift shop I okay sure i love both of those movies toss up 
And um, I don't know if it was, there's a trailer on the King of Kong DVD. Cause I, I don't know how I found out about that, but I, I got the DVD when it came out and then the trailer for Anvil, the story of Anvil, which is an incredible music We've, documentary. We reviewed that here on the podcast. Yeah, that yeah. was awesome. <laughs> that is another really good one. All right. Uh, that swings it to my number four. Ryan, do you remember the movie Logan's Run? Still haven't seen it. Wrote it down. You mentioned it earlier this year, and I wrote it down again in my my current journal. I am going to get to it. Logan's Run, uh, Michael York plays a cop, right? And the conceit in this uh, science fiction world that he lives in is that you, uh, at the age of 30, there, you go through this trial where you float toward the ceiling, but really it's just a giant human zapper. You, you die. People are executed at the age of 30. They're told they could win and achieve eternal life, but nobody does. So he's been enforcing this rule his whole life until suddenly his time is up and he's 30 years old. And he's like, no, fuck that. I'm not going to get zapped by the light. I'm going to make a run for it. So he becomes a runner, which are the people he used to hunt down and kill. But suddenly uh, him and some uh, beautiful blonde by his side go running through the halls of this science fiction town. They have the coolest guns in this movie. The flames come out the side of the gun and they make the coolest noise. I think like the, the hallmark of a good science fiction world is, is the laser the gun. That, yeah, the yeah. weapons. So Logan's Run's a classic fighting you, against society. You've mentioned it a few times on the jaw, and I want to see it. I, I will get to it eventually. You I do. I just haven't, haven't caught up with it yet. It's classic. Uh, my number four is a movie um, I think you've seen, and I, I think you've even maybe read the graphic novel it's based on. It's the 2007 animated film Persepolis. Okay. Whew. I thought you were about to steal my number one. Oh, yeah. but Persepolis. Persepolis is awesome, dude. Yes. And uh, this is a young girl basically fighting against a new regime. Um uh, political regime it takes over uh, Iran, and uh, we get to see these uh, conservative uh, views start to take over. And she's into the whole punk rock, uh, Western culture, uh, music right. scene, and uh, we basically see how this young girl still thrives uh, following her, you know, dreams and and her interests, even when everything around her is telling her that you can't like this anymore yeah um and and closing in on her um but she still sort of fights through and and basically the the movie's very interesting and the, the story of her life and how she got out of iran for a little while and so forth um but when we're talking about fighting against the system it would be a young girl against a new political uh, regime yeah it's a good one dude if you haven't seen it, very interesting animated film. I haven't watched the movie. I've read the book. So, oh, yeah. See the movie. I know. I got it's to. Awesome. Okay. It's a really good one. That's my number four pick. Into our threes we go. I picked Wes Anderson's Rushmore, which is, I think, a sort of a coming of age kind of fighting against the. It's teen angst fighting against uh, his his school and his and the adults in his life. Um, and that's like one of my favorite, just, uh, I don't know, coming of age teen movies. I, it's, it meant a lot to me when I saw it when I was a teenager and I still like find that to be a, a movie that I come back to like on a, on a gloomy day. Um, it, it really cheers me up. Um, it's, it's such a like heartening story. Um, and a great character, Jason Schwartzman, amazing performance. No doubt. Yeah. Max Fisher. Yeah. <laughs> no, no arguments for me, you know, man. You're That's never going to get an argument if you bring up a Wes Anderson movie on this yeah. show. You might, but not that one. Yeah. You're safe there. 
All right. Uh, I'm going I'm going rock and roll high school, goddammit. I know I, I evoked the name earlier. I guess that's why, because it was on my mind. I put it on my list. Uh, Riff Randall rebelling against her school, which is quintessential teenage angst. And the Ramones are in the movie, and they blow up the school, and it's no, no more needs to be said about rock and roll high school. Fighting against the system. That's the first system we all encounter. High school. school. Yeah. Great song. Great title song. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever watched the whole movie? No. (laughs) It's surprisingly good. Yeah, okay. Clint Howard, Ron Howard's brother, plays like Yoda, the Yoda in the movie. He's like got an office in the bathroom and he gets all the kids like fake hall passes and stuff. Oh, that's funny. It's amazing. It's Watch the movie. All right. If you're you're into punk, I think it's kind of a requisite. Okay. My number three pick is a movie I just watched this week. It came out in 2023. It's on Hulu right now, Jawheads. It's entitled How to Blow Up a Pipeline. Oh, yeah, that's pretty new, right? It is. I told you it came out this year. It's on on Hulu. And it is about these activists who are trying to fight against big oil, who are doing damage to the uh, environment. And their idea, I'm not going to necessarily endorse their idea, but it is to basically get some explosives together and blow up uh, the pipeline in Texas in a couple different areas to let the big oil company know that they're not getting away with, um, you know, dirtying up the environment and not following regulations. The film is extremely intense because these are activists that are not uh, bomb makers by, you know, trade. And so they're learning how to make bombs and you're uh, getting these flashbacks on these characters as it leads up to their big moment. And you're actually, you know, almost sweating for these characters because they're yeah. using massive explosions. They don't know what the hell they're doing. Um, there's drones that go overhead in Texas to watch out for the pipeline type stuff. And they don't know any what, what's going on. That's and really so dangerous. Yes. So they're way in over their heads. So the, the, the film is very intense and uh, ends with a bang. Let's say that. It's on Hulu now. I recommend this one. Also, based on pipeline, based on true story. No, I mean I think there it has been, but I I don't. I have throw it in the fish tank, Phil. I I shouldn't overstep. I was going to say I don't believe that this is like a specific event that it's based on. Okay. Number twos. For my number two, again, not a very literal system, but I picked Rocky, which is the ultimate underdog story, and he's fighting. I feel like not only sort of against like a classist uh, sort of like definition of him and like his expectations of him but and 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 the working class life in Philadelphia but um, yeah I I watched Rocky actually the whole franchise recently with my girlfriend and it is like one of the greatest film characters ever I we she was That's blown true. away like she had not seen the films and was like really surprised by how like it's a movie about a man who loves his wife like that's like the like ultimately like you peel it back and it's so it's like such a great romance movie um and he's like such a sweet man and it's awesome um incredible film like the writing is insane and i can't believe he like created that character and wrote that character and then continued to direct those movies and it's awesome yeah Yeah. We've had many discussions about Rocky. We have. Yeah. We we always land on the fact that I think it's it's got lampooned because it it's such a ingrained into our culture and people yeah. just know it. It's like oh, it's Rocky. If like your girlfriend in this instance, if you haven't seen the movie and you watch the original one, it's it's a damn near perfect film. It's yeah. awesome. It's literally an awesome 
flick. Yeah. They go downhill a bit, if we're being honest. Right. Yeah. But that first one and the creation of the character is the ultimate I even underdog. Like, I even like the Tommy Gunn one. I'm, I'm going to yeah, go ahead and geez. say it. Right. it it's, got, it's got its moments, dude. All right. Just get to your number two at this point. All right. Uh, <laughs> at number two, it's, a, it's another movie about sabotage. I'm going with Fincher's Fight Club. Um, this is the one that taught us, like, you are not the contents of your wallet. You are not what's in your bank account. Like It's man versus consumerism. Yeah, and just yeah, it's man versus a lot of things, and and a lot of people have have um, said that I, I forget how to pronounce Chuck Palahniuk. Is that how you say it? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's what I'm going with. Um, they've said his novel is is about toxic masculinity. You can make that case. I get it. I don't think that's what the movie is about necessarily. Although there's an element of that in there, because not all masculinity is toxic. You know, sometimes you just want to break something, you know, and I, I don't know. That's just an honest emotion. And Fincher puts it across the screen. And to this day, when the when the pixies start to play and the buildings are coming down, I think that might be one of the greatest movie endings. It's it's a great of one. all time. I mean, it's certainly up there for sure. So there fight club. Had to come up on this list. It was an honorable mention of mine. I figured somebody would mention Fight Club when we're talking man versus the system. Fighting against everything, right? Right. Yeah. My number two is a film maybe we've talked about before on Cinema Job, but it's it's been some time if we have. Came out in 2005. It won Rachel Weisz and Oscar back in the day. It's called The Constant Gardener. Wow. And I forgot about this movie. This is. a man and his wife, um, Ray Fiennes and, and Rachel yeah. Weiss, fighting against uh, Big Pharma. And what they come to find out is that in Africa, uh, some of these pharmaceutical companies are actually testing their drugs on people in these small villages unknowingly. They, they don't even let them know that they're taking an experimental drug. Um, so they're almost treating them in, in a way, like almost like lab animals, you know, like here, let's try this on this entire, without consent, without right. consent, with this whole entire village, and see if if this you know particular drug works with any type of side effects. Rachel Weiss's character finds this out and is then murdered by, um, you know, their hitmen, if you will. Never know exactly who. Um, Ray Fiennes plays a, a character, uh, her husband, who then picks up her work and figures out like what she was onto and then brings it to light and so forth. Intense watch, uh, very good and extremely interesting because it's based uh, not necessarily on, on the exact story, but stories that have been found out that pharmaceutical companies are um, oh, yeah. testing these. This on, is on, absolutely on, happening. Yes. And yeah. it's scary as hell. You it's know? terrible. Absolutely. Uh, if you haven't seen The Constant Gardener, like I said, we haven't talked about it much on Cinema Jaw. Well worth a spin. Uh, see if it's streaming anywhere, will you, Phil, The Constant Gardener? It's way more hardcore than the title would have you. Right. Know. Right. Yeah. I was going to say it's a <laughs> terrible title. <laughs> yes. Uh, what we're going to do is take a break. Sound good? Yeah. Le- leave the number ones hanging. And we got some trivia to play as well. Sounds good. Yes. Stick with us, Jawheads. Let's, let's, let's all go to the lobby. Tom Cruise, step aside. Michelle Yeoh is a legend for her stunt work. She's done things that made Jackie Chan panic, like her famous truck-to-convertible stunt in Supercop, which she told Entertainment Weekly about in this interview. Supercop, wow. That movie, when I watched it uh, back, because we were dubbing it for um, the American market, I swear, I was going, 
What was I thinking? I was swinging at the side of trucks. I was riding a motorcycle onto a moving train. I was doing the most insane stunts that even stunt people would say, we are, you are insane. I remember the, the worst stunt um, where we could have had a very tragic accident in that movie. You can see it in the outtakes later on, is when I am on top of the truck, the, the van, and the bad guys are shooting at me. And so I'm rolling off, rolling off, and Jackie is coming up behind the, the van with his convertible. And I have to roll off the van onto his convertible, and then he breaks and I roll off. What was supposed to happen was the windscreen was supposed to shatter, and that would have helped me have a break. But the windscreen didn't shatter, I had nowhere to hold on to, and I kept sliding off the car. And if you watch the outtakes, you can see Jackie panic. He can see me going off and I'm like, floundering, he reaches over and he literally just gets me, luckily, I think, I think he saved my head uh, by my, my shirt. And I slid off and I landed. And another stun boy came running out to try and see what he could do. He slipped, he had a bad concussion and he was carted off to the hospital. All I remember was like, dung on the ground. And then I hear someone come up beside me and Stanley Tong. And he said to me very quietly, he said, what do you think? And I looked at him, I go, let's go now. You know, when you fall off a horse, you jump back right on, right away. If we had stopped the shoot, go away, thought about it, I wouldn't have gotten back up. Because hesitation creates uh, accidents. And we are back on Cinema Jaw, hanging out with Dan Stewart. His new film is making the festival circuit. It is entitled Local Band. It's a punk rock movie. We like it here on Cinema Jaw. Before we get to our number one picks on Man Fighting the System and play some trivia, we threw some items into the fish tank, Matt. We did. We do that occasionally. We do. Let's open up that fish tank. Wait a moment. It's fish. Who's coming with me besides Flipper? Here. That's a sudden message. That means Luca Brasi sleeps with the fishes. You're gonna need a bigger boat. Hello, it is so, so wonderful to be out here looking up this stuff that we don't know. And I gotta say, I love it. Everybody knows. I love it when there's like interesting hot takes. Maybe not even hot takes, but just like cool. There's like stuff underneath the surface, you know? You pick the scab and the blood comes out. Jeez, uh, that's graphic, Phil. <laughs> that's what I think of. I, you guys don't. Uh, uh, so our first question is how to blow up a pipeline based on anything. And the answer is that it's complicated. Mm. It is not mm. based on any one thing. It's like an amalgam. Uh, yeah, there is a book from 2021 uh, also titled How to Blow Up a Pipeline. See, now that's a good title, unlike The Constant Gardener. If they had made The Constant Gardener called How to Blow Up a Pipeline, <laughs> more people would have seen it. 
or like pharma assassins. Yeah, oh, there yeah, you go. Right. Been there. That sounds like it's on Tubi. You know, it that's probably like, is. I gotta look that up on Just Watch. Yeah. Sure. Uh, uh, there is a book of nonfiction written by Andreas Malm, and the move the movie is not based on this book at all. Uh, if anything, I think the book is maybe a little more pharma assassins than the movie. Even uh, it's difficult to categorize, at least for me, because the book is kind of like at least from what I can gather, an essay of sorts, uh, explaining why climate reform uh, is necessary and that sabotage is one of the best ways to handle this at this point to get the issue taken seriously, um, which is fascinating that that's something that we're saying uh, and that it's getting published. I'm not against it. And I'm just surprised that, yeah, yeah, yeah that, we're allowing that to happen. Like, that just seems like there's so many people there should who be would outrage. be like, "Yeah, yeah." There probably I'm, was. I'm for it, but I'm I'm still shocked that there's not other people who aren't. Uh, but then there's also uh, a couple of instances of the Dakota Access Pipeline getting vandalized that were inspirations for this film as well. Uh, yeah. So not just one thing. Right. It's like it. they took the best parts of everything. They made a stone soup of. Pipeline and blew it up. Sabotage. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then our second question is the constant gardener streaming. And this to me is crazy. No, it is not streaming anywhere. Uh, I've seen the movie. It was streaming at one point. I'm sure. Yeah. But sometimes they, they drop off these services and yeah. you can't see them anywhere. This one is shocking to me. I mean, you can rent it in all the usual places, but, but no streamers. No this streams. Is, like somebody's got to own this. How is this not huh. anywhere? Weird. It's because the pharmaceutical companies own Big all pharma. the uh, streamers somewhere. That's you know? it. There's Those money everywhere. Pharma, pharma got assassinated. <laughs> it's almost like that's just. It just falls into a that sort of category of movies where it's like it's just like out of the the the, the cultural moment enough to yeah. where it's like if you if you like you really want to watch it, they're like, oh, you're gonna pay to rent it. You know, they're they're kind of banking on it not being, mm-hmm. you know, a, a, a streaming headliner, if you yep. will. Yeah. yeah. I, I noticed, uh, just for instance, on that note, um, the Equalizer with Denzel. Mm-hmm. There's three of them now. Just mm-hmm. the third one just came out, and I hadn't seen any of the Equalizers. So I thought, all right, I'll watch the Equalizer. Well, guess what? The first one's not streaming anywhere unless you want to rent it, mm-hmm. because they know. Like, there's probably people like me that are like, all right, I'll watch the first Equalizer. It's been on Netflix all the time. You know, yeah. I've seen it and I've never hit play on it. It's like, and, why the hell do we pay for these services? Right. And yeah. now when it's like, all right, I'll watch the first one. Oh, well, you can rent it for four dollars. What? Yeah. Yeah, so I didn't do it. You know, got to got to fight the system, man. There you go. You'd think they would do something else, right? Like the, the amount of people that they're losing who wanted to watch the Equalizer. It's most and you're, of us. You're you're. Spoiling, you're telling everyone the pro strat is to just never watch the equalizer right. now. <laughs> Idiots. <laughs> let's let's get together, jawheads. Let's fight the system. We're we fighting the streamers here on Cinema <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Was that everything, Phil? That's all we got for me. All right, before we close up the uh fish tank, couple of uh notes. Next week on the show, we're looking at reviewing the creator. I'm seeing this one tomorrow. Totally stoked. And we might also fit in a review of Flora and Sun. Oh, cool. Sound good? Yeah. Um and our guest right now is scheduled to be Claire Cooney. Who Very cool. Has, Another Chicago local filmmaker. Yes, yeah. who is going to have a film open the Chicago International Film Fest uh, midnight screenings called Departing Seniors. And that brings us to our second 
bit of information. The Chicago International Film Festival is taking place on October 11th. It opens up with a block party right in front of the Music Box Theater, right on Southport there. Uh, opening film, We Grown Now, followed by Departing Seniors, Claire Cooney's film. Uh, we're going to be there for sure. Yeah, we'll be lucky if we make it to the midnight screening, though. I know. With, the, with the, the beer truck. Yes. Yeah, that's there, a real there problem. There is beer at the block party, so look out, Jawheads. But if you're planning to attend, uh, reach out to us. Uh, I'd like to say hi to some of the uh, local Chicago Jawheads. And also, for uh, fits in great with Dan here, uh, local filmmakers looking to... Um, mingle and learn at the uh, fest workshop there is industry days that takes place and they wanted to mention the dates of that is october 12th through the 15th and they have uh, guest speakers come on uh they've had everybody from uh darren aronofsky to uh the director steve mcqueen and so forth come and uh do talks uh local filmmakers get together great time to you know talk shop yeah and Network. Meet people. Yeah, Network. for sure. Um, I don't know. Have you ever done in industry days here at uh, Chicago International? I haven't. There was, um, I had, I had, I did have some friends um, screening, um, actually a film I worked on uh, screen at the last one, at the last SIF. Uh, um, it was a short called Dirt Bag, um, directed by Karsten Runquist. I think I saw that. Yeah. I was the first AD on that. That was, that was a fun one. All right. We, we got to talk about that yeah. later. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, do, Jawheads, if uh, do in fact go to Industry Days, um, if you're a local filmmaker, it's great. So, cool. Sound good? Yeah, do All it. All right, jump back in that fish tank, Phil. You bet. We left off at our number ones. How dare we? Number one pick for Man vs. the System. Dan, what do you got? Okay, so another kind of unusual one, but this is one of my favorite films ever it's very special to me it's the movie that i usually tell people is the one that made me want to go to film school and pursue film as oh, a nice. career um and that's donnie darko i love this movie um and i think there's a lot of again it's it, in the line of like rushmore is like the teen angst it's sort of you know being against the um the status quo of your of your your hometown and your your parents and school and and all that and and also sort of and i guess in that film it's like uh, he's fighting against uh, some sort of supernatural like mission dark um, forces yeah yeah um and it's just an incredible movie my like tradition is on halloween day i will always watch donnie darko every year every um, halloween huh? every halloween and it's uh Every time I, I still love it, and it's it's funny and it's strange and it's uh, it's inspired. I like the soundtrack is one of like I'm a big fan of, of post punk and new wave music and like Echo and the Bunnymen and In Excess and Joy Division and stuff and like it just shaped so much about what I really love about movies and and yeah it's 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 the best. We just talked about this one when uh, we we had unconventional coming-of-age movies, and I brought up Donnie Darko. So, yeah, it's a film we love here on Cinema Joe. Absolutely, yeah. You'll get no arguments out of me. I love Donnie Darko. Um, I got another graphic novel at number one. I, I think probably everybody saw this one coming. I, I don't know of a better symbol for anarchy these days um, to, to you know, other than the A-circled... To your grandma, right? To, to Joe Schmo, who's not necessarily against the system, than the Guy Fawkes mask. Mm -hmm. It has become like synonymous with, uh, you know, fighting against the system. Like the, the hacker group Anonymous uses it as their symbol. It comes from the Alan Moore graphic novel, V for Vendetta, 
which was adapted into a film starring Natalie Portman, Hugo Weaving, and is the movie as good as the graphic novel? Debatable, but it's a damn good movie. It is a damn good movie. That graphic novel moved me. It really did. It's up there, like, top three for sure. Remember, remember. The 5th of November, yes. The Gunpowder gun Treason and Plot. I forget the rest of it. But that's a damn good movie. It's about sabotage. It's about how anarchy is a useful tool. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get on my anarchy soapbox, you guys, but I, I like that movie. It's a damn good one. The Wachowskis, too. Was it the Wachowskis? It really was. Wow, I forgot that. Right after the Matrix, which a lot of people could say is Definitely fighting the system. Uh, could go movie, on this list. Come right, comes right back with V for Vendetta. So great pick at number one. Mine, I, I think, is I, I was sh- hoping you, no one would mention my number one because the screenplay was the Wachowski. Oh, the it was not was directed. It was directed by James McTeague. Ooh, good. Thanks for correcting. Yes. But I knew it was the Wachowskis were involved in that movie. They were. I didn't know that. Interesting. Um, my number one. I thought, boy, someone's going to bring this up. Maybe talk about it earlier on the list so it doesn't get ruined. But you guys didn't bring it up. Bong Joon-ho, the master himself, made a great uh, fighting against the system movie. In 2013, he gave us Snowpiercer. And this is on the train. The fight here is the lower class fighting for a better life. And it is quite literal on this train that is basically a frozen earth. You can't live outside this train anymore, and the train has to keep running, and it's it's circling the globe, and the lower-class citizens on the train are are put on the back end of the train, the caboose, if you will, and they are fed terrible food. Uh, it's kind of a spoiler if I tell you exactly what it is, but they're eating uh, something that you don't really want to be eating, and their, their life is just it's no people. good. <laughs> and they want to fight to get... To the front of the car, much like the lower class wants to fight to get a better life. Right. Um, you you want to live on on the top floor at some point in your life, and so this one is quite literally a fight. As uh, we get Chris Evans, uh, who stars in the film, and these uh, rebels coming from the back of the train, making their way all the way up to the front to finally talk to a whacked out Tilda Swinton in this film, uh, plays a great role in here. I love Snowpiercer. I catch it on, um, we mentioned Tubi TV, but it also is playing a lot for some reason on Pluto TV, where uh, where you're just, you know. They made a series, didn't they? They did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Never watched it. I can't vouch at all for the series. But I'll catch, I'll see on Pluto TV, Snowpiercer's playing it. It's one of those films I'll throw on for 20, 30 minutes. And just amazing filmmaking um, by Bong Joon-ho. I, it, it's, it's a great film if you haven't seen Snowpiercer. He's, I love it. A he's a master. One. I've, like pretty much all of his movies have mm-hmm. have that theme of, of they do of class warfare. One hundred percent. I mean, obviously, uh, Parasite, which Except maybe the host. I remember thinking that the host at least had something in there. Like I, I don't remember what it is, so don't like quiz me. But I, I remember thinking like, oh man, even when he does like this monster movie, there's still a little bit of this. Yeah, yeah you're probably yeah. right. I mean, Parasite for sure. Yeah. Um, and Snowpiercer, one hundred percent. Both yeah. those are are very similar kind of themes. Mm-hmm. So. Um, that was my number one uh, honorable mentions. I have none because wow. Matt mentioned all three of my honorable mentions on his list. So I actually do not have a film here to talk about. I got a couple. Rapid Fire Twenty One, the movie about um, <gasps> the Vegas. Yeah, hey, good one. Uh, Fighting da- against the system of of right, yeah. J- just like Ocean's Eleven. Mm-hmm. Um, Dallas Buyers Club. 
Another one Good against one. Uh, Big Pharma. We said The Matrix, Hunger Games. There you go. I don't know how good those movies are, though. I mean, The Hunger Games. Yeah. They didn't age well. They're okay. Like, yeah. the first one's okay. There's another one coming out. I know. Looks I'm, I'm dumb. over it. Yeah, I'm like, ah, oh, jeez. Well, we'll probably see it for Cinema Job, but if I was just a fan of the it's movies, a prequel. I wouldn't go. Yeah. Mm. All right, Jawheads, if we missed your favorite Man vs. the System film and you have Twitter pulled up, Shoot us a tweet at CinemaJaw or an email feedback at CinemaJaw.com. It's time to play some trivia, Matt. All right. Let's go. Dan, you ready? Yeah. Dan, you seem very competitive. Matt always likes to tell the guests, I'm not very competitive. Sometimes but guests get uncomfortable, you know? I mean, like, we just met Dan, but he, he he seems very tense. Like, he's ready to go. I just don't want to fail and look like I don't know <laughs> See, anything <that's>... about movies. <laughs> you, you know plenty about movies, dude. You made a great movie. <laughs> Thank you. All right. In honor of... Dumb money. We're playing money movie trivia. These movies have money in the title. Got it. All right. You're our guest, Dan. You get to choose if you want to go first or let Matt go first. There are steals if the person doesn't know it, and they do start off easy. Okay, then I'll go first. Question number one over to Dan. Here okay. we go. In 1986, Tom Cruise and Paul Newman starred in this movie about billiards. The color of money. That is correct. Scene Damn shot it, that's, that's Gino and Tavern, my my hometown bar. Oh yeah, yeah. One to nothing. Great film. Yeah, that was the one money movie I knew. So now I'm screwed. <laughs> <laughs> Question two over to Matt K. Matt, in 2017, this actor replaced Kevin Spacey in the film All the Money in the World. Oh, wasn't it Christopher Plummer? That is correct. One to one. Everybody perfect on the easy ones. Question three. Brad Pitt stars in one baseball movie. Name it. Moneyball. Dan is correct. That was the other money movie. Yeah. <laughs> I thought of it when I was answering the last question. Two to one, Dan. Question four over to Matt K. Matt, speaking, speaking of sports, in 2005, Matthew McConaughey teamed up with this Godfather 2 actor in the film Two for the Money. Specifically, Godfather Two. Mm, I don't know. I mean, I'm just saying that this actor was also in Godfather Two. That's all I'm saying. Two for the money. Two for the money. Matthew McConaughey and who? Man, it, so I'm guessing it's not Robert De Niro. I would remember that. So it's either Robert Duvall or or James Caan would be my guess. I'll say Bobby Duvall. <laughs> You blow it! <laughs> um, it's, it's not John Cazale. I know that. Um, for obvious reasons. Um, I James Conn is... Oh, did, did, did they kill Fredo in the first Godfather, or was that the second Godfather? I was looking for Al Pacino. It was Al Pacino, okay. Al Pacino. I, who for the money? Yeah. I know that. Matthew McConaughey, Al Pacino. Nobody. Wow. Weird. It's still two to one, Dan, and question... Five is over to him. What was the full name of the Wall Street sequel that came out in 2010? We need the full name. I know this because I think it's really funny. This is Wall Street 2, Money Never Sleeps. That is perfect. <laughs> what it's a terrible whole, title, right? <laughs> Wall Street 2, The Constant Gardener. <laughs> <laughs> Wall Street 2, Money Never Sleeps is correct. Absolutely terrible title. It is now, I lost score here, four to one? Three to one. Three to one. Three to one, Dan. Question six is over to Matt K. 
Matt, name the clueless actress who appeared with Damon Wayans in the 1992 classic Mo Money. I'm guessing it's not Alicia Silverstone mm, mm. or Paul Rudd. Mm. Those are just like, I'm throwing that out there as a guess. Shit. <laughs> Which actor from Clueless also starred with Damon Wayans in 1992's Mo Money? I can't remember her name. Mm, can't remember her name. I really just, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm going to pass. That is incorrect. Damn it. I that needed that incorrect. one. Dan, you got a chance to blow this thing wide open. Do you got a guess on this? I know. I'm pretty sure I know who you're talking about because it is it. I'm pretty sure it's the character that Alicia Silverstone. Like, like her best friend. Yeah. 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 I just, I, I, I know she has a, she's a prominent actress and I can't, I don't remember her name. Or it's a trick question and it is Alicia Silverstone. No, it was Stacy Dash. Stacy Dash. Stacy okay. Dash. Um, still three to one, Dan. Question seven is over to him. He can win it right here. I wouldn't say she's a prominent actor, no, though. No, no. Those she, are pretty much her two roles, right? She did pop up uh, again politically. Uh, she made some statements, or I forget exactly what, but she was in the news again in the last couple of years. She might have like a talk show or something. I don't oh, know. well, that's good. Yeah. Her interview on the Eric Andre show is pretty funny. Yeah. yeah, she's been around. She's in the news for sure. That's Good. all I can say. Good. Um, Dan, in 2016, George Clooney and Julia Roberts starred in this Jodie Foster directed movie. Money Monster? Holy crap. Dan knows his money. Yeah, see, you know your stuff, I don't know. Dude. I was like, when when you mentioned the category, the all the movies that I just answered about were all the ones that came to mind. And I was, I was like, is he going to ask about Money Never Sleeps? Because that would be hilarious. <laughs> you got to, of course. You have to. Wow. Well, this game is over at this point. Uh, Dan is winning four to one. The last question is to Matt Kane. Save some face here, Matt. Let's see if I can. In 1995, Wesley Snipes and Woody Harrelson starred in a film with this plot. A vengeful New York City transit cop decides to steal a trainload of subway fares. His foster brother, a fellow cop, tries to protect him. Name that movie, Matt. Are you kidding? No. (laughs) Woody Harrelson, Uh Wesley Snipes. This white man can't jump. Did they... Did they do another movie? Incorrect. There is another movie out there, and it has money in the title. You're shitting me. And it has this. It also has Wesley Snipes and Woody Harrelson. It's White Man Can't Jump Two. Money Never Sleeps. <laughs> <laughs> there was a second collaboration between these two. Now at this point, you got me second guessing. But we were looking for Money Train. Money Train. Can you look up the cast on Money Train? I mean, Phil? Dude, how do I not know about this movie? Seriously. <laughs> now you guys are so shocked that you have me second guessing. Is it a real it's, thing, it's not Phil? Wesley Snipes and, and Woody Harrelson. Am both I right of, on this? Both of these two people are in it. <laughs> oh wow. I just slipped into a, a, a parallel dimension where this I swear to God, this movie didn't exist when I woke up this money morning. Money train. You got a man money Mandela effect. For real. Yeah. I mean, how do I not know about this? Watch it tonight. I, I I just might. And was it a 90s movie, too? 1995. Are you shitting me? No. The White Man Can't Jump was like a huge movie. They they collaborate again in 95, and I don't know about it? We learn something new here on Cinema Jaw all the time. Wow. 
weird. That's just weird. Can I get a handshake? Yeah. We don't even have to do it virtually this time. Look at well this. Done, Inside well the done. studio, a real handshake. Um, it comes down to, if it did come down to a tie, or we call it a jawbreaker here, age of Wesley Snipes closest to, what do you got here, Matt? Wait, before he was thawed out of no. Demolition no. Man? Uh, all right, Wesley Snipes has got to be, dude, he might be pushing 60 by now. Mm. Um, late 50s. I'm going to say 57 years old. Lock him in at 57. Dan, you got to guess. That's pretty good. I guess, I don't I don't think he's like in his 60s, so I'm no. going to have to undercut. Yeah, so I'm going to say 52. Dan, he's in his 60s. Oh, wow. 61 for Wesley Snipes. Oh, wow. He looks, he looks great. Great job. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's back. He was in, um, oh, that Eddie Murphy movie, um, Dolomite. Yeah, that's oh, sure. right. They need to make another Blade movie and have him come and pass the torch to the person who plays Blade in the Marvel Universe. Mm. He'll be the, Uncle Blade or yeah. something. Yeah, he could be the 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 Yoda type. I don't know. It'd be, it'd be nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, it brings us to the end of a very fun and entertaining jaw. Dan, thanks for coming on. Great meeting you. Congratulations yeah, on me. the film. Appreciate it. Thank you. We also got to thank our editor, our engineer, Phil. Thank you so much. This is the last week. I will plug the Pancakes and Booze Art Show at Reggie's in Bridgeport uh, because it's coming up. Uh, then, one more thing. When this is it, is cool. Phil? When is it? Oh, sorry. Yeah, September 29th and 30th. Uh, so, by the time this drops, it'll be Friday and Saturday of this week. So, um, do it. In October, I also got accepted into the Mesfi Mitzvitz Club uh, zine. There is a digital copy you can get anywhere, as well as an alternate copy uh, physically that you can get at various zine stores in Chicago, Madison, Wisconsin, and uh, Seattle, Washington. Um, Quimby's, Chicago Comics. Both yes. places, yeah. Uh, but also, there. If you do get the digit, the if you live somewhere where you can get the physical one, I have two pieces. Uh, there's two different paintings I have, and one of them, they're different. Uh, so, the digital copy has one of those pieces, and the. So uh, collect them all, trade with your friends, is what yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Um, can you give us the link, and we'll put it in the show notes? You bet. All right, cool, awesome. Hey, you know what else people should do? Wherever you're listening to this, hit subscribe. It doesn't cost a thing, and it really does help. So just pull your phone out, click a button for us. It sure does. And the last people we want to thank is our Patreons. Thank you for supporting the show. Well, they're not, they're not the last people we want to thank. Well, we're I just, mean, not the last people, but the last people today that we yeah, saved the best for last. Right. Great way to say it. Our Patreons for supporting the show uh, means the world to us, and it would mean the world to us if you join us on Patreon. Just go over to patreon.com slash cinemajaw. Uh, you get our full archive of shows and bonus, bonus content. So It's good. It's fun. Do it, it is. Uh, I recorded some extra stuff for uh, movies that I saw at the Toronto International Film Festival. Putting that out on Patreon. See? We got bonus content dropping all the time. All the time. So join us over on Patreon. Until next week, I'm Ryan, the Movie Guy. I'm Matt K. And, and keep, keep on John about, about the movies. movies.